What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. My personal favorite so far has been the one about Pele, who, to my my mind, is the best soccer player ever still. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up, going left side, watch Calvin, Enzo, got him, oh baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off, intercepted by Darius Slade. Welcome back. Yes, I know. We've been gone for a couple of weeks. Took a little bit of a vacation, a staycation. But it is season two of The Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, as it has been for the past seven months or so. So welcome back, everyone. It's almost football season. For real. Now, we'll see... As we've talked about in the last five or six episodes of this podcast, how much a football season ends up happening. But a week from today, all players for the Detroit Lions as of Sunday at 1045 in the morning are expected to report. That's super exciting news. We'll see what happens. Obviously, there's still a lot to get worked out between testing, between restrictions, how all of this is going to work, how it's going to work for the media, how it's going to work for fans, maybe, maybe not, how it's going to work for players, coaches, all of that. There's still, in my mind, a lot of questions to be had and a lot of questions that need answering a week out. To me, you would think the NFL would have had enough contingency plans by this point already. They had the benefit, as we've talked about, of time. COVID-19 came about in March, and if you paid attention to the worldwide scope of things, in February. They've seen other leagues already put together plans, from the bubble worlds of the NBA and NHL, to the non-bubble world of Major League Baseball, to smaller sports like boxing and UFC, they've seen all of these plans. There are plans out there and plans that the NFL could easily obtain for protocols to get back from all of those leagues, from movie studios, from corporations. If you go back, I think I talked about it back in June on the pod because I wrote about Top Rank's return to boxing, what they went through, what Brad Jacobs, the COO of Top Rank, went through to come up with their plan, which has evolved since. And one would hope that the NFL has done that. I'll be very curious to hear what it all what all comes out of it. Obviously, there's been conversations, there's been negotiations between the NFLPA and between the league to kind of see if something can happen. I know some players and some rookies are supposed to report this week. We'll see if that happens. We'll see how that goes. But listen, we're getting close. Football is coming back. 
COVID dependent. Obviously, COVID still runs the show here, whether you want to admit it or not, whether anyone wants to admit it or not. And this will be my quick reminder, wear a mask. If you want to see football this year, wear a mask. If you want to see a basketball season in the winter beyond maybe the bubble now, wear a mask. If you want to get past this, wear a mask. Very simple. So what seemed like the best idea to bring back this podcast for the 2020 season? Well, if you remember back in October when we launched, we were supposed to have a first guest that made a lot of sense to me, is somebody I'm very close to, and we recorded that episode and it didn't record. So we've had him back once since, and we had some technical issues on that episode as well. But the third time, I'm proud to say, worked. So today's guest is Detroit Free Press beat writer, good friend of mine, Dave Burkett. He is the dean of the Detroit Lions press corps. He's been covering this team for the longest time among independent beat writers, notwithstanding Mike O'Hara, who's been around for decades and is very talented, who works for DetroitLions.com. But Dave Burkett and I are going to chat a lot about the Lions, about COVID, about what all this means on this podcast in just a couple of minutes. I hope y'all have had a good staycation, a good vacation if you took some time away. For me, I was gone for a couple of weeks, as you may have noticed. I stayed in southeastern Michigan. I actually went up to Frankenmuth for a day. I went down to Tecumseh for a day. Just explored a lot of Ann Arbor. I've lived here 11 years now, and I really hadn't explored much of southeast Michigan. And it, I really enjoyed it. I picked up golf. It's not going very well, but I'm enjoying playing again. And I played in high school, and I, I was maybe mediocre at best then and now it's more just fun but it's starting to slowly come back so hopefully you found something over the summer to really enjoy yourself as well and as we all get ready for football and for school hopefully to come back and everything to hopefully start to come back a little bit while the COVID pandemic obviously looms large over everybody also want to give a quick rundown of what season two of this podcast might look like. We're going to, at least during training camp, try to record a podcast every day or at least every day that there is something. We're going to have some longer episodes in there as well, filled with interviews. During the regular season, we're going to try to record most days as well, Monday through Friday. So that's the hope as of now. That could change, obviously, depending on what things look like for COVID. This week, you'll have today's podcast. You'll have a couple of previews going into training camp here early, later on this week. Possibly going to have another guest here later on this week that I think you'll be really excited about. I'm not going to say who yet because it hasn't been recorded, but hopefully it'll happen. If not this week, then next week. And I want to hear from you. Who do you want to hear from? What do you want to hear about? Let me know. Leave it in the comments. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram. And let me know who you would like to hear from, what you'd like to hear about, because this podcast is all for you as we get going here in season two. And we'll be back right after this break with Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. And don't forget, there's still daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. 
Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Now, back to our show. Well, my supposed first guest on my first ever episode of the Michael Rothstein Show was supposed to be this man. We had incredible technical difficulties that day, so that episode never happened. Then the second time he came on the show, we had more technical difficulties, and that show happened. It was quite good, but nobody could hear it. So now for the first episode of season two, or episode 76, 77, whatever episode this is of the Michael Rothstein show. We're going to try this again and hopefully here the third time is the cliched charm. Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press, welcome to the Michael Rothstein show. Thanks for coming on as we are both, uh, we're recording this in the middle of July as we're both kind of still in the waning days of our vacations here. Uh, I think, first of all, you just jinxed us, Michael presence that jinxed your podcast but yeah no it's good to good to be back for the third time i still consider myself the first ever guest so you know when you uh when you hit it big and sell the spotify or whatever you know bill simmons network whatever it is i want to cut for the profits yeah uh let's be honest that is not going to happen and we're very happy here at blue wire so how what have you been up to in quarantine obviously you've been on vacation for the last, I guess, what, two, three weeks. I'm very proud of you. You've probably tweeted less than in the entire 11 years that I've known you. You've probably tweeted less in the last three weeks. So, you know, pr- proud, proud of you there. Um, but what is, what's this life been like for you now? Yeah, um, no, I mean, I've been off now for, God, this is my last week of vacation, or a full week of vacation, I guess. But um, really since mid-June, throwing a, a week of furlough along with some vacation. And uh Tried to try to stay off social media as much as possible, but Mike, like any any good coach, I've been polishing off the uh, the playbook for for basketball for whenever our next season is. Uh, you know, spend a little bit of time with the kids, go to the pool. You know, uh, I mean, just kind of laying low. Not not many places to go here, and so uh, been around uh, Michigan a lot. So so you're already prepping for the girls basketball season for 2021-22. That, that that's uh, really I, well I don't know I, I mean I'm still holding out hope that we're gonna have a season this winter um, you know it's kind of like everything I guess in the sports world it's it's to be determined uh, you know but we're we're moving up fifth grade to sixth grade this year and uh, you know there, there come some new challenges with that we had a pretty successful season last year and you know we, we got to be prepared so in, in our league sixth grade is a year that you can start pressing um, so, you know, there's some things I got to work on with, with the girls. And I think now that, you know, we've had a couple years under our belt of learning different things, maybe we can, we can progress the, uh, the offense a little bit. So, all right. I'm just picturing you watching Nolan Richardson film here, or like Shaka Smart VCU film here huddled. You're in your office right now, as I can see you like huddled up on the camera, like have huddle up watching clips of like Shaka yeah. Smart and, and Nolan Richardson's teams from back in the day. So I know the the podcast listeners can't see this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show you these right. I just have these like empty notebooks like laying around here, and this is what I like. Over the years, I've just like when I have an idea, right? I doodle them, or you know, I, I sort of maybe there's a, a a play that I see, um, you know, in the NCAA tournament that I'm like, wow, that's a pretty good, you know, play right there. I'm gonna let me you know uh, rewind that, or let me let me shoot some video of that. Keep it on my phone that way. If I need something, I have access to it. And all I've done this 
this, I shouldn't say all I've done, but you know, one thing I've done here this, this summer was I sort of put those collective thoughts into one little notebook. So that way it was sort of in my head of like, all right, this is what I have for, uh, you know, an inbounds play, a sideline out of bounds play, a baseline out of bounds play. We, we've been, Mike, we, we've run pretty much two baseline out of bound plays and two sideline plays the last two years. So now I'm going to, I'm going to spice it up a little bit going forward. Hey, we, you know, sixth grade, uh, big year in the CYO. Uh, maybe we can win a sixth grade championship and really we're getting prepared for, for eighth grade and, and getting these girls ready to play high school basketball and beyond. So I know you were gone, I think, from covering Michigan when by the time Al Borges got there. And for those, for those people who are maybe new to the podcast or, or don't know our history, we, we met 11 years ago covering Michigan together for AnnArbor.com when the Ann Arbor News folded. And, yeah, I think Al Borges was gone. You were already covering the Lions for the Freep at that point. But when you were talking about doodling, all I could think about was Al Borges because I remember like one of the, the first stories I wrote about him was how he like drew play. He would just doodle plays on napkins early in his career. And that was how he came up with play calls. At that point, he was considered when Michigan hired him, Brady Hoke hired him an innovative play caller that obviously did not go as well as he probably yeah. thought or Brady Hoke would have thought. So I don't know if I'm cursing you here, but is that, I mean, is that your career goal here to become Al Borges? Wow. Uh... I don't remember, I don't know Al Borges' career arc, what he's doing now, so I don't want to... He's retired, as far as I know. Okay. I, well, I don't want to dismiss becoming that, because I'm sure he's made a lot of money in his, his career, and, and that would be nice. But I'm going to show you, again, since I know your listeners can't see this, Mike, we're on Zoom right now, but I'm going to show you. This is our. This has been our, our primary, uh, you know, uh, baseline out-of-bounds play the last couple of years, and it's worked to a charm, and I just know that... Um, you know, as we start playing better teams and, and girls get older, you can't run the same play. And, uh, you know, so I, I, like I said, I've had to, I've had to spice things up a little bit and uh, expand the playbook or getting ready to expand, expand the playbook for, uh, for the girls this fall. And, and I'm, whoever, I'm going to make this very obvious for your opposing coaches here. You had it labeled blobs. Yeah, blobs. Yeah, no. Based on <laughs> bounce play. I know, it just looked really funny that you had it labeled blobs. <laughs> Just and three. Hey, look, if if you know any anybody we've played against, they've they've they know we run three because uh, you know we we score on it, and uh, it's just been a great play for us. But again, we're getting ready to retire that. It's a good one early on. Uh, we're gonna have to have some 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 different ammo in the chamber for uh, for the coming seasons. Now, is Jim Harbaugh's daughter going to be an opponent again this year? Why? Well, I, I uh, that's a good question. Um, we played them the last two years. They were in our league. Uh, it's always great to see Jim in the stands. He, uh, as you would expect, he he gets pretty fired up. Uh, he's pretty vocal, um, yelling, egging on the crowd, getting on the refs a little bit. Um, so uh, I I don't know. I you know they they sort of determine the league structure uh, right before the season. I guess based on the number of teams we've been in the league with them the last two years. Um, I'm not sure if they will be in our league this year, but hopefully it's a, they, you know, we we have a nice little rivalry developing with them. Uh, we've had some success against them so far, but they've been pretty good games, and his daughter's a pretty good player. Um, so it's always good to uh, – she she plays like he plays football. She's a very tough girl, without a doubt. So going – transitioning from your full-time job as sixth grade <laughs> – soon-to-be sixth-grade girls basketball coach, hoping to right. one day build an AAU empire, uh, let's go to your part-time job these days, which is covering the Lions for yeah. the Detroit Free Press. Let's just start broad, man. <laughs> Were you going to be covering football this fall? <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, as well as I do that they're going to try, you know, they, uh, they, they want to get the season in. There's a lot of money at stake. Um, I certainly expect them to, to uh, be here in the, or, or to go to training camp here um, this month, um, whether they're able to finish the season, you know, how, how, whether they're even able to start on time based on, you know, what happens with negotiations with the league and the PA, I, I don't know. I, I certainly have my doubts that they're going to be able to finish. Um, you know, I uh, look, it's, uh, I, I just don't know how you, with, with, when one person tests positive, um, if, if you really are trying to contract trace everyone that that person comes in contact with, you know, and you have to go back a couple of days, they're going to be in contact with the vast majority of their teammates or their position group. Or if it's after a game with, with players on the other team, I, I don't know how the league is going to be able to, safely play uh, uh, or assure everyone's safety um, after someone tests positive and it's inevitable that people are going to test positive during the season that that lead like you're talking about contract tracing that leads me to wonder so so let's just I've been using this example when I've gone on other shows and and when I've talked with people Frank Ragnow is a great example because he's the center right say Frank Ragnow for whatever reason tests positive which you know as we all know anyone can doesn't that automatically take out Matthew Stafford, both your guards? The, if, if it's in practice, yeah. you're starting def- basically your you're starting defensive tackles more than likely. Also, probably your offensive line coach, your assistant offensive line coach, and your offensive coordinator, and maybe even your head coach by contact tracing. Just yeah, and, I mean, and and you're running and at least a couple of running backs. Look again, depending on how the you know what the NFL wants to do. I mean. Uh, it, it's different at the, at the pro level than it is at the college level or the high school level or whatever, right? Because it's your job and, and you assume some risks and it will be collectively bargained. But if your true intent or if, you know, at the end of the day, your, your desire as a league is to uh, prevent the spread of this within these teams, then you would have to do that. I mean, uh, when, right, when, when, you, when you're awaiting a test or when you're presumed to have tested positive, you're told to quarantine for 14 days. And, and there's just, it's improbable to me that during the course of a season in a practice that a one player, Frank Ragnow, in your example, is not going to come in contact with the vast majority of his teammates um, and, and some within six feet, you know, level that, that those people would, would then need to, to quarantine as well. So I just, my, my fear would be that, you know, one domino falls and it, it and everything comes crumbling down because that person touches so many people that the position group or the quarterback or the coaches, whoever it is, those people then have to, to sit out practices. Right. And, and the difference between the NFL, you know, to me, what I'm going to be watching here, you know, this podcast is going to drop on July 20th on Monday and we're recording this the Wednesday before. So, and as we all know, things can change drastically between now and then, but the one I'm more curious at what major league baseball looks like than the NBA and NHL, because the NBA and NHL are having bubbles. The NFL clearly seems like they're not having a bubble at all, much like baseball. Right. So how I'm just wondering how the NFL is even, and again, as of Wednesday, July 15th, we haven't heard this, how they're really going to handle that because okay, we're in the state of Michigan. We know that there are players on the Lions and definitely coaches on the Lions that have kids that go to school. If school is not online this fall and it's at, at, in the building, 
you know, and obviously that's something I don't have kids, so I'm not really as attuned to that as you are. Yep. How, what do you do there? How do you handle that if you have kids, if you have a wife that works or a wife that just goes out and then you come home from your Wednesday practice? Yeah. Like, how is that? I, I just don't understand the machinations and the mechanics of that. Um, and I get why an NFL player would not want to be in a bubble for five months. I totally understand that because as a media member being in a bubble for five months and, and I don't have a wife or kids or right now uh, any sort of serious girlfriend that I, I wouldn't necessarily want to do that let alone somebody who has family involved. No, I, and like, you know, one of the, the few tweets I've, I've sent out here the last couple of weeks was just, that's what I was saying the other day. I was texting with somebody about that, that man, I really, you know, the more I think about it, the more the NFL should do the bubble thing. And I realize how impossible it is. And at this stage, it's, it's too late, you know? Um, but had you had whatever, eight pods or, or four pods set up, you know, in, in various parts of the country, to me, that's a more feasible scenario to, to complete the season, get it started on time and complete it on time. Because I'm with you. I think, I think the NBA has a chance, right? I mean, there's only what eight regular season games essentially before the playoffs and they're all confined in a bubble where theoretically you can control the spread of it and prevent the, the, the virus from getting into the bubble to begin with. Um, baseball, it, it's not the same thing. In the NFL, it's not going to be the same thing. And even in baseball, Jack, my son, um, he started baseball yesterday, right? He's, he's five. I mean, it's whatever, right? Um, but there, you know, I just, I guess I don't have the the same fear in baseball as I would in other sports because baseball, you're standing out on a field and yeah. you can do the social distance thing, uh, you know, outside or, or uh, in a dugout, even when you're playing with, you know, at his age, you know, nine kids, but you know, in a, in a, a major league stadium, if, even if you have 25 players on a roster, you sit in the stands instead of in the dugout. Right? There, there's plenty of ways that you can do this where you're not coming in extremely close contact. You can't do that in football. By definition, the sport, you're coming in extremely close contact with people. Um, so I just, absent the bubble, um, I, and, and unless they you know, just decide that, hey, this is uh, something that we're going to have to live with. You know, we're going to have to, people are going to get sick and you get over it. And if you, you, you catch it, you sit out for 14 days. And, and if you don't, you keep playing. Um, I don't know how it's going to work. Right. I, I mean, and that doesn't even take into account, A, the fact that football has a very high injury rate to begin with, with other, other injuries. B, right. I'm anticipating a higher level of soft tissue injuries early because they weren't able to have their spring workout program. And we all, we've, you and I have covered the NFL for long enough to know spring, a lot of times in the spring, you see a lot of ankle rolls, a lot of, you know, sore knees, things like that, where guys sit out because, you know, they're getting back into shape. Well, we don't know what type of workouts some of these guys have been able to put themselves through. But, and then, but, yeah. Mike, I was just going to say, no, you're right, because that was, and I forget who had raised the, the point, but, but um, right now, players, you get hurt, you're on your own dime, you know what I mean, too. So maybe some of these, you know, if I'm a player, at least, I, I you know, that has to run through your mind, at least with some of the workouts, too. So there's no doubt that they're going to have this slow ramp up period to get ready for it. And to your point, what happens when you need to replace guys? I, I realize you can have some of these guys in camp that maybe you're bringing back. But God forbid Matthew Stafford gets hurt again. Right. And, and then, you know, what happens if if, you know, pick a quarterback, one of, one of the backups uh, gets hurt, too. You're bringing somebody in off the street. You don't know who, where he's been, who he's been in contact with. What happens if somebody tests positive on the road? Right. How, how do you get that person back? What do you do with that person if they're in the team hotel? 
and they've been going through meetings the night before. I mean, it, does that cancel a game? There are, there's just so many um, unknowns, I think, right now about the league and, and so many scenarios that, that I could see derailing it. That's why, again, I, I think they're going to try to get started here, and, and they probably will. Uh, the NFL and the NFLPA will come to an agreement on, on some things, but um, I just have my doubts that they're going to be able to finish absent you know, some sort of uh, vaccine absent Moderna that the, the the thing that they've been talking about that that really uh, that trial you know going faster than expected and, and some some sort of vaccine being approved here in the next few months so I mean two with what you just brought up two things one I mean do you basically turn all of those night before meetings into zoom meetings where everybody's in a hotel and you just have zoom so that way you're all quarantined and, and you know what you're dealing with when when you're doing that because one would imagine you're probably taking a test on Friday Mm -hmm. or when you land on Saturday for a road game. Right. And you, maybe you're doing that anyway. You have meals brought to your room. Everybody's doing it. Maybe that's one solution there for that. Everything else, I don't know, man. Like, it, it's all, it, to me, it's all, it's all super, super unknown and super just kind of like, what, what do you choose to do in, in different situations like i i don't know what you do with the workout like if i if i'm a guy who frank like say i don't make a team right i'm say i'm a player and i don't make a team do am i quarantining for four months do i have the finances to be able to do that where can i train like do i want to get on a plane because okay so for those who don't know the actual workout cycle in normal times is guys get called on on sunday sometimes even on a saturday or first thing on Monday morning and say, hey, get on a plane. And by Monday night, they have to be there and they work out on Tuesday. Yep. Beyond testing, how, how is that going to work? Say a guy is in California and the Patriots want to work him out. Is he going to feel comfortable getting on a five-hour, six-hour flight? Like, I, what, maybe the solution, and obviously the NFL hasn't looked at this, and I think it's probably too late to go down this road, but I look at that XFL Team Zero that they did, and maybe you have, instead, you create regional Team Zeros that teams can pick from. If, you know, say there's a Midwestern one where, like, the Browns, the Bengals, the Colts, the Lions, the Packers, the Bears, the Vikings, and... <laughs> Who would I know? Chiefs all all pick from this separate ninety man roster that they can pick from, and that that's that's your pool. It's a regional pool. Like, sorry if you can't you know if you can't get anyone otherwise, that's your pool. Mike, I, I, thought, I saw that mentioned actually, and, and I don't. Again, I'm sort of on vacation, so some of these things you sort of they, they, you know yeah. Last year, you know, you, you see a headline, you don't really look at it, or you see some tweet when you're just scrolling through at night before bed. And, uh, I, I want to say Albert Breer, but it might not be. I, I want to say he, he reported that the NFL was considering doing that, having sort of a 33rd team that they would practice uh, just to have players ready. I don't know how many players that would entail, but, you know, in order to keep the testing protocols and prevent it. But even then, you mentioned the injury rate, Mike. I mean, what the Lions have last year, like 16 guys on, on IR or something? I mean, you know, times 32, right? That, that's you need more than a 50-13. So, and I, I realize rosters could be expanded this year, um, but uh, it's just, it, no matter what road the NFL takes you down, I can give you, you know, two, three, four, five scenarios that still derail it. And so I'm hopeful our livelihoods depend on it in, in some way. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely have my doubts that they're going to be able to finish the season. 
Hey, I, I still got boxing and MMA to cover, so I, you know, they, and they, they, but if you're looking for a sport that's, if you're looking for a sport that's got their system down, that's what it is, but it's a much smaller pool. So let's, for argument's sake, so that way we can have some sort of preview here, say, hey, football actually is going to happen. Like, take everything we said the last 20 minutes, all the concerns that you have, that I have, put them aside. Football, we haven't seen any of these guys play in at least seven months in Matthew Stafford's case nine in Marvin Jones's case eight in some guys cases a year what are you expecting to see from the Lions this year let's start on offense yeah uh you know I've I've gone back and forth a little bit on how you know competitive I think they're going to be um you know certainly I think they you know the offense will be the strength of the team right you know a healthy Matthew Stafford uh, should get you back to being a, a pretty good offense, what we saw the first half of last year. I don't know if they're going to be top two or three, but, you know, I, I do think Stafford could have a pretty good year. Um, just in general, Mike, I think the Lions, like, I, I think there are some reasons to believe, right? Maybe it's just a crazy enough year that, hey, they're going to go ahead and win, you know, 10 games or 12 games and, and make the playoffs, right? You know, I, I could see something like that happening. Um, I, I certainly am not predicting it, but, you know, they have a good enough offense. Maybe there's something with the, you know, all the ex-Patriots guys they, they brought in on defense that you're able to pick up right away. You know, there's, um, you know, there's, there's some continuity at, at some of the spots that, that, that matter in terms of, uh, you know, if they're going to put up some points, Stafford and Galladay and Marvin Jones, Amendola, you know, a lot of those, those weapons return. So a uh, year or two of, of Bevel, um, I, I think there are some reasons to be optimistic. Uh, but having said that, you know, I don't think they did much on free agency this year. Uh, much of note, at least, uh, you know, they, a lot of the guys they signed, uh, you know, they're, they're older or, you know, they're the expatriates and, and we all, you don't have to look far to, to know the history of, of expatriates once they leave New England and, and the, the lack of success they have. There's some lack of continuity on the offensive line, a whole new entire right side of the offensive line on defense for that matter, six new starters on defense. So I think um, as many is is as optimistic as I am, like looking at their roster compared to you know some of the other teams in the NFC North, and just thinking what could be in a crazy year. I still have these doubts about um, how it's all going to come together, uh, especially uh, in a, a system that we've seen the last couple of years where they've got off to some slow starts. You know, it, it seems like the more they practice, the more they do things, especially on defense, the better they become. And I don't know that they're going to have the opportunity to do that this year because of you know, the, the restrictions of, of Corona. Um, so, you know, I, I went eight and eight, my, my way too early prediction when the schedule came out, you know, I, I think I'm probably somewhere right in that, you know, 500 mix again, but um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they went 10 and six, it wouldn't shock me if they went six and 10, sort of a, a typical Lions uh, season, I guess, team. No, I, I'm with you there. And I, I agree with you on many levels, although I, there is one small part of me that, you know, considering I don't expect fans to be in the stands, and if there are not many of them, that this would be the year that the Lions, and we, as we were talking about at the top, we don't necessarily think that the season's even going to finish. This is the year that the Lions could start like six and one, and then Corona shuts it down. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I could absolutely see that happening just because of. The way I mean, I've covered this team. This will be season eight or nine, I think. I've lost count a little bit. That just in my time around this team, and you've covered them longer, it just feels like that would be something that 
that would occur is like they finally find something, they get something, and then they can't finish it out. To it's me, it's lion's luck, right? I mean, everybody, every Lions fan knows that that term, right? It's lion's luck. I mean, that's what happens. You have no luck until you have luck when it, you know, you can't capitalize on it. That's just, right. just what it is. So I, I'm with you. People have said that to me plenty of times, and I think that's. People have said, "Hey, this is the year that they're going to be this. Be able, they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but there's no fans, so we're not going to be able to go." Or exactly <laughs> what you said, you know, they're going to be ten and two, and the season's going to get shut down. So, you know, I, I've heard it all from from Lions fans who who are worried about who are worried about the best case scenario in, in this sort of year, <laughs> which is crazy to think of, right? Like, I mean, you just I, I I laugh when I hear that you. You mentioned the offensive line and that they need that they're going to have basically an entire new right side of the offensive line. I would actually say I think there's going to be three new starters on the offensive line, which is going to make it even trickier. And that two of those starters could be rookies, because I think there's a chance that both Stenberg and Jonah Jackson could end up starting. That's not a knock on Joe Dahl, but I think that's going to be a real competition at left guard. Assuming Jonah Jackson ends up playing right guard. Now, Joe Dahl has shown he can play both guard spots. But to me, that is where on offense, I would have the biggest level of concern. Because Matthew Stafford, as long as he's healthy, you know what you're getting from him. Running back, you've got to, I think you have a pretty good stable of running backs there to start with. And we'll see what happens health-wise. Receiver, you know what you're getting from your top three guys. And beyond that, you've got a bunch of guys. You know, but offensive line to me is where there's, I think there's the biggest concern. Do you think that COVID in some ways, and I realize this is just a, hypo, a you know, a wild ass guess, COVID keeps Joe Dahl as a starter at guard early on just because you need to have some sort of continuity there. And I, I get the feeling that in Logan Stenberg, they knew that he was going to be a little bit of a project just because of the penalties. Um, yeah, I, I, I think your point is right. You know, I, maybe it's not fair to say that COVID is the only reason he starts. And I know that's not what you were saying, but but I, I do agree, Mike, that, look, you're not taking guards back-to-back in the third and fourth round unless you think they're both capable starters. You know, maybe maybe not game one, you know, week one, but at some point here very early on in their career. So no doubt, new right tackle, new right guard, the left guard spot. If I'm projecting out, if I was doing a depth chart right now, a week one depth chart, I would put Joe Dahl as, as the starter there for the reasons you mentioned. I think it's just, you know, you have some continuity. He's a veteran. You can trust him a little bit. Um, certainly, uh, you know, his his presence, um, you know, the, the things he's done in the past count for something. I mean, we saw it with, with Kenny Wiggins, right? He was a guy that the coaches trusted, so they, they played him a lot. Um, and I, I think that will be the case with, with Joe early on, um, who know, assuming he's completely back from, from his back injury. Um, but yeah, at, at some point, I, it wouldn't shock me at all if they had three new starters, and that to me is a, a major concern as well. I have some concerns about the defense, but offensively, I, I, the only one that I really have—I mean, you could say Matthew Stafford's health—but that sort of ties into the the offensive line is what happens up front there because uh, you haven't had any chance to develop that continuity here in this offseason. I think the chances to do that early in the in training camp are going to be limited just based on how it's, it's going to look the ramp up period. So yeah, I agree with you, Mike, that um, the offensive line is going to be a big key. There's some question marks there and that's, it's going to be important to what happens to the Lions this fall. So since we're talking about the offensive line, let's work in both injuries and COVID. And let's say you lose four, 
fifths of your starters just due to we'll use the aforementioned Frank Ragnow has COVID a couple guys are hurt which we've always seen on the offensive line if you're down four starting linemen or even three starting linemen do you put Matthew Stafford out there especially if it's a COVID situation and not like yeah two guys are out with knees and they're out seven weeks like do you do you almost have to is that a new level of strategy you think that that some coaches and teams are going to have to play in certain in certain situations like hey might have to give up this game to make sure we're good in three weeks no because I think there's only 16 games or who knows how many games right maybe the season gets shortened to 12 or maybe something happens and you can't finish it or you know uh, you, you jumped, it's in the NBA ver- version, right? Where you pick it back up. And, and so I don't think there, if I was a coach, at least, I would not risk giving up any game on the hopes of getting something down the road that is not guaranteed to you. There certainly would be more concerns about putting Matthew Stafford behind that offensive line. But, you know, I think you can do some things with any game plan to help protect him, to, to do some things offensively. Um, look, everyone knows the risks. Stafford has taken a huge beating over the years. Uh, to his credit, you know, until last year, he didn't miss any games. And I do think the, the back injuries, two straight years, you know, broken bones, fractures in his back in two different areas of the back. It's a red flag to me. I'm not a doctor. I don't know the, all the, the ins and outs of, of the, his situation medically. I know he and the Lions have said he's fine. Everything's going to be good going forward. But it would be a concern to me. However, once you're in between the lines, once the season starts, I think everything goes and you just got to get out there and do your thing. That's fair. I just, I'm just sitting there looking at it again, mo- largely I think because of the injury history and saying, do I, because let's say, again, I know I'm really har- harping on this point, but let's say that came against the Vikings where you know that Matthew Stafford's taken, like specifically yeah. you and I have seen Matthew Stafford barely be able to walk out of I forget if it was TCF Bank Stadium or if they were in US Bank Stadium at that point. I'd been Gopher Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Barely been able to walk. We've seen him get beat up year after year by that defense. So you know they're gonna be aggressive. Like I'm just wondering if they're now maybe again it's a game plan situation. Maybe you're max protecting. Maybe Tyrell Crosby, well he would be a starter in this scenario, but like maybe you're running six offensive linemen every play so you're running a shell of your offense to protect Stafford but I don't know I I would at least and maybe this is why I'm not a football coach I would at least entertain it just from the standpoint of if if he gets hurt the season's done regardless yeah um you know the other thing Mike I would say with with the the offensive line and some of the moves the Lions made early on I mean look they didn't raise any you know it, it wasn't anything that that you or I were were making a big deal about at the time, but, you know, I think there's enough veterans, enough stopgap type players that you can get by for a game or two, right? Maybe it's Kenny Wiggins starting or it's Russell Bodine. I mean, guys that have had some experience in the league and not that I would want to go 16 games with, with Russell Bodine as my starter. Um, But, you know, if it's for a week, you know, it's a veteran he's played uh, maybe, maybe some of those, those early moves that the lions made just depth moves uh, maybe those pay off, especially if you have expanded rosters. And, you know, let's just say you have 60 guys on your roster, right? You, you can keep a couple extra offensive linemen. And maybe, you know, Bo Benchwall, you know, in, in a normal circumstance, maybe he's a guy because he's a young developmental guy. But maybe it's it's better to keep a guy like 
you know, a, an Ode Abouche if, if he's, you know, on, on the roster bubble because he has some experience. He can play some different positions. So, um, again, I, I think your point's fair, but if I'm out there, uh, once the season rolls, I'm, I'm playing and, and I'm, I'm doing everything I can within my, my roster structure and my game plan to protect my guys that are on the field. Yeah, no, I, I, to your point of backup offensive linemen, I think you could see a situation where maybe Bodine, Wiggins, Abushi, and maybe a Joshua Garnett all end up making the team because you're like, you know what? You need some protection there. And Wiggins, and frankly, even Joe Dahl, because he has some experience there, not NFL experience, both those guys have played tackle in the past in their careers that give you some sort of like – in case of emergency, you know, I think – was it last year that we saw Kenny Wiggins or was it two years ago we saw Kenny Wiggins working at tackle at some point? Yeah, Kenny played some right tackle last year. Yeah. So he could certainly do it, you know, in a pinch. And, again, it's not something that you wouldn't want Kenny Wiggins playing right tackle for you 12 games. But, you know, if he needs to fill in, you know, Terrell Crosby's out or maybe Terrell's playing left. I mean, who knows what's going on, right? That, that if you need it, uh, Kenny could, could fill in there for a short period of time. So looking at defense – like you said, I mean, there's potentially six new starters there. I think there could be a whole bunch of new depth pieces as well. What position group do you look at right now and say, that's the one I feel most good. That's terrible English, but most good about um, when, right. when it comes to this team right now. Yeah. Wow. That's a good question because um, I don't know that there is a spot. I mean, it, maybe this is funny to say, like, I like what they've done in the secondary um, you know, I look back a year ago and I, I liked their secondary more, I think, when they had Darius Slay and Quandre Diggs and, you know, uh, Justin Coleman. I mean, you know, they, they had that that sort of core five, but I like what they've done, too. I mean, I, I think there's some potential there, you know. Um, I just I still don't know that they have enough pass rush. Um, you know, they don't have a outside of Trey Flowers to me. I don't know that they have any real difference makers on the defensive line. Um, I want to see Jamie Collins in person because look, he was really good in New England, has been, you know, at, at times over the last, you know, five, six years, but he hasn't always been good when he's left New England. And so I want to see what, what he looks like in person. Um, you know, the linebacker and core, uh, I, I don't know that I would consider it a strength. Um, in the secondary, there's so many new pieces that maybe it's tough to consider it a strength, but I think Tracy Walker could have a really good season. Um, you know, he's, a, he's certainly a, a player on the rise. Uh, Jeff Okuda, you have to like what, what you know, the, the talent that he has as a first-round pick, knowing that it's going to take him a minute to, to get acclimated to the, the NFL game. Um, you know, Desmond Trufant, uh, look, he, he's not Darius Slade, but, you know, uh, I think he's still a capable starter in the, the NFL. So I think you have a nice little, uh, you know, threesome at, at cornerback with, with Trufant, Okuda, and, and Justin Coleman. And then you throw in Deron Harmon, who's, you know, there, there's some, some veteran presence that, that probably matters there at safety, you know, some of his playmaking ability. He knows the system, again, which I think is, is important in a, in a year like this. So if I had to pick one of the three levels, I, I think I would go with the secondary, though I, as I say that, like I said, it, it's funny to say because there's so many new faces there, and, and uh, I, I don't like the fact that they, you know, 12 months ago, you know, they had – you know, Darius Slay and Quandary Diggs, two pretty good players who are no longer with the team. No, I, I'm with you there. I think obviously a lot of it has to do with how fast does Jeff Okuda make that leap? Is it a, you know, kind of Marcus, Marcus Lattimore, 
Jalen Ramsey type leap, whereas a rookie they end up being impact players, or is it more of a Darius Slay type of situation? Or even, I mean, Denzel Ward had an okay to good rookie year, but I think he's gotten better, like where it's, it's going to take you a little bit of time. That's a major question for the Lions right now. I'm yeah. really curious. I'm curious to see too what they do because Matt, Matt Patricia's really like to run a lot of three safety packages. To me, that's their deepest position on defense is that safety. And do you maybe run more of that and kick Justin Coleman to the outside if you're not feeling that great about, say, Jeff Okuda in some situations, run a three-safety package. But we also saw Justin Coleman wasn't at his best when he was forced on the outside last year. So I think they, they've built it where they have flexibility. I just think, like you said, there's a lot of questions when it comes to some of those guys. Like a guy like J. Ron Kurtz, to me, is fascinating because I think he is that – type of long rangy build bigger guy that really i mean is a very 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 poor man's version of what i think isaiah simmons could have been in this defense but maybe you use him as a piece and can move him a bunch of places maybe yeah i mean you know he's gonna play a few snaps uh and certainly has a size to me comes down to the the talent at the end of the day and as I look at the secondary you know three or four best players are Jeff Okuda, Justin Coleman and and Trufant so I would I would probably err on the side of and you're paying Coleman 10 million dollars to to be your slot cornerback you might as well use him there so yeah uh, but Mike to that your point in, in with everything about the 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 depth and the options that they have on defense you know look we, we've seen them play that their quarter package a lot, you know, with six defensive backs and whatnot. So you have some flexibility that curse could be a, a linebacker type, you know, if you, if you want to get more coverage on the field, um, you know, so I, I think they do have some options. Um, you know, I, I, I want to see Okuda too, just like you said, it's, it's going to be important to see how he comes along. You know, everyone spoke incredibly highly of him in the draft process and, and really since, and just the, um, you know, the, the desire he has to be great and the, the work and the, the time that he puts in. So I think he'll get there in, in, in time and probably sooner rather than later. But I don't know that you can expect him to be a, an all pro, you know, the first month of the season. Do you worry? Because we saw this when it came to Eric Ebron. We saw it a little bit when it came to TJ Hawkinson. I don't think Jeff Okuda Kuda's wired this way, but there's going to be some immediate comparisons, I think, to some of the guys taken behind him, both defensively and offensively, specifically Isaiah Simmons and maybe Derek Brown on defense. And I think on offense, a lot of people, a certain segment of this fan base is going to look at uh, a certain quarterback that, that maybe a team was tanking for or supposedly tanking for last year in Tua. And if those guys get off to good starts and – Jeff Okuda has what is a normal rookie year for a corner, much like TJ Hawkins did at a normal rookie year for a tight end last year. Do you worry that that, or maybe not worry, but do you think that that could be a concern of that? There could be a, a quick turn of like, oh my God. And we've all seen it in the past where once a fan base turns on a guy in Detroit, it can get really ugly, really fast for that player, whether they have a really strong mental makeup or not. Yeah, no, I would say yeah, I'm not worried about it from Jeff Okuda's standpoint. I mean, I think, again, everything I've, I, I know about the guy is that, you know, he's wired to be great. And, and I think 
you know, at some point it will happen. I think he's a really good player. Um, I do think that from a fan standpoint, um, look, some of the comparisons are inevitable, right? If, if Isaiah Simmons comes out and, and is down, people are going to be like, wow, what, you know, what happened? But more than anything, I think it's going to be about Tua. That's the only, that's the one that, that if Tua becomes this all pro quarterback, and you know leads Miami to the Super Bowl Lions fans will never let the Lions live that down and maybe they shouldn't I mean because you know that's the position and you're in the chance we, we've talked about that forever that that you know when you're in the position uh, at the position that you know you can lead a team to greatness and, and define a team for for decades uh, outside of that uh, I don't think uh and again, fans will be fans, right? The Aaron Donald thing, Odell Beckham, you can point to any position, but I think Jeff Okuda is uh, the type of player and has the type of mentality that um, it shouldn't be an issue for him, for the organization, or for fans at the end of the day when they see what he becomes. I'm, I'm with you there, by the way, just to be clear. I think Jeff Okuda is going to be a really good player, and I think he'd be a really good player really soon in the league. I just know that I've, I mean, like I said, I've covered this team for eight years. I've seen it happen twice already. And, well, and, Ebron, you know, that was a different. Look. Yeah, and Ebron was a different deal. We'll, we'll, I think we'll both agree with that. And the Ebron thing, look, I mean, how many people expected or wanted Ebron to be the pick, right? People wanted Aaron Donald. That was part of it, right? It was sort of like, that's the most obvious thing. Take him. And if you didn't want him, you wanted, maybe you wanted Taylor Lewan or Odell. I don't, you know, I don't remember how many that people part. wanted Odell. I think there were a lot of people. But Odell was 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 still considered that type of prospect where it was like, okay, he's he's pretty spectacular. People didn't think about about Ebron that way going into the yeah. year. People think about Okuda as that type of prospect. If if you had a problem with the Lions drafting Okuda, it wasn't about Jeff Okuda. It was about more likely than not the position and taking a cornerback in the top five. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it was, and also I think Matt, I think it was Matt Patricia's defense as well, where it's like Isaiah Simmons maybe makes more sense as this like piece, like we were, like I was talking about J. Ron Curse of like, you can move that guy around and he can be a difference maker for you in a bunch of different ways and alter your defense or on offense to a, for reasons that, you know, we've, we, we've established ad nauseum both in our copy and in uh, previous editions of this podcast. I want to look at special teams for a minute because there is low key change there. And I think that people don't necessarily realize that that's something that can be a little bit of an issue in Detroit because Matt Prater is one of the most consistent kickers in the NFL, but the operation is part of that. And that operation has never changed with Matt Prater being in town. It's always been Muehlbach to Martin to Prater making the kicks. He's going to have a guy who's never done this in the NFL holding for him this year. Do you worry at all or sit there and say, man, that could be a little bit of an issue at some point this season, especially because as we've seen, as good as Don Muehlbach is, there were a couple times last year where there were a couple snaps that weren't great, which people weren't used to seeing. Um, look, I, I think that, you know, that, that's part of what we were talking about with some of the, the change, too. And it's not just on the field. I mean, it's a new coordinator, both on, on defense, for that matter, and, and special teams, even though, you know, Matt Patricia calls the defense and by all accounts will continue to call the, the defense. Um, you know, and, and Matt has said he'll be heavily involved with, with Braden and in, in running the special teams. So th there's a lot 
there's a lot of change. There's a lot of, of, of change there. I, I don't know about the, you know, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm quite as worried about the, the operation. Um, it, just because I, I think, you know, when you get to that, that level, right, even as a, uh, an undrafted rookie long snapper, right, let's say Stephen Wordle, you know, he, let's say he wins the job. And I, I, I think it's a very real possibility, right? The line, Stephen Wordle was, was probably the best long snapper there. He doesn't come to Detroit if he doesn't think that's, that's a real possibility that, that he wins, um, you know, the, the job. And I, I think the way the Lions approached um, signing that position, uh, you know, bringing, uh, I forget his name, but the, the, the uh, free agent that they brought in after the season, they seemed to give every indication that that was going to be an open competition for the job. I, I don't think you, I think you have to be so exact to get to that level, whether it's Wordle, whether it's Fox, whoever's punting, um, that the operation itself, sure, it's going to look different, but, you know, these guys are professionals at the end of the day, albeit young professionals. Um, so I'm not, I don't, I don't have huge fears about that, but I, I do think that there, it does take time for um, everyone to get on the same page. And once again, not having that time in April, May, June, to make sure you have all the mechanics down in a snap to, uh, you know, the, the, the coverage element of it too, with so many new, new players. Um, I just, I, I think there's, there's a lot of change that, you know, maybe more NFL teams are going through this than I, I realize, but that the lions in particular will have to, to deal with and deal with in a hurry uh, once they hit the field for training camp. Now, is, I was talking about Joe Dahl a bit ago. Do you think that this, the pandemic and the shortened time frame maybe is what turns this not into so much of an open competition. Kev, we're talking about having more than one question about a long snapper, but yeah. <laughs> is, does this maybe turn into not as much of the open competition that maybe Steven Wordle thought it would be when he signed here after the draft? Because yeah. you kind of just want to have two thirds of that. You're going to have a new punter no matter what. Right. Like, you have two thirds of that operation still intact. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's more important on the offensive line based on how many snaps they're going to play the, the roles they play. Um, I, I, I do think that it, it shortens the time that Steven Wordle has to make an impression, you know, I mean, he would have been on the field in May and June and, you know, the, whether it was, it was Braden, you know, all the coaches, right? They would have had months of, of data just to analyze the, how many snaps, you know, these guys are hitting, what they're, what they're doing. Is he hitting his point all the time? How fast is he compared to, to Don? Um, now he's going to have weeks to do it. So maybe it will be a little bit harder for the Lions to make a change. But if they see Steven Wordle as being a special long snapper and I, I can be honest enough with myself that I don't know exactly how you define a long snapper or I, I maybe I wouldn't be able to, <laughs> to see it with the, the naked eye um, that if they see that, that maybe that's something that they, they realize that, Hey, we don't want to you know, let this, let this guy go, but he's got to do it in a, in a snap because in a snap uh, didn't mean to, to drop that there, but he's going to have to do it in a hurry uh, because he's not going to have a lot of time to make an impression. That's going to be the problem for, I mean, we're talking about a long snapper here, but for all, I think all of the UDFAs and those late round draft picks like Cornell and Pinacini and, you know, even 
I mean, I think Quintez Cephas and Jason Huntley have real shots to make this team. But even for those two guys, really everybody after Logan Stenberg, like that's the case for a lot of them where if you come off and have a rough start, you might put yourself off the team in like two weeks. Like I, I agree that all those guys, it's going to be you know tough to to make an impact this year. But the one thing I would say too is that um, every other team is going to be in the same boat, and so the 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 familiarity factor may work in their favor. Just in terms of look, maybe it's an expanded roster, and you can keep a couple more of those guys. Or even if it's not, um, I, you know, if I was a team, I would probably want the guys that I've gone through training camp with to be on my practice squad. Those would be my first callbacks. So maybe even if, let's just say Jason Cornell, because he's, you know, a seventh round pick, right? Even if he struggles out of the gate, you keep him around or, you know, you keep him around on practice squad uh, because, you know, he knows your system. He can step in. Uh, another team might be a little bit more leery of signing him, right? They're, they got to bring him up to speed anyway. Uh, so I, I just, um, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a real f- you know, fear uh, for those guys that are they going to have the opportunity to make the impact, make the impression that they normally would. Um, but maybe there's a, a little bit of a safety net there too, that um, you get to stick around or you, you get a chance to, to make a second impression uh, just based on what's going on in the world. I One guy who's going to have to, I, I feel is in a very similar situation, although he has the reps and he has, some experience and frankly he's gonna make the team as a returner if he makes it but Jamal Agnew's situation I think is not that much different than a UDFA or a late round pick because you're going into maybe the most crowded competition on this roster which is receiver beyond Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola. How how does Jamal Agnew make enough of an impression as a receiver or does he have to almost rely on the the stuff that we've seen in the past for him to have a shot to make this team because we've seen it before when guys make position switches even from corner to safety tease Tabor, alex carter they're not long for the roster typically and you see that across the league he's making the defense offense switch i think you're right i think if he's going to make the team it's not going to be i mean he's going to be a receiver but it's not going to be as a receiver because of his receiving ability it's going to be because of the multi-dimensional ability that he has that you know what maybe it's valuable to have a guy that can play cornerback and be a return man and play receiver rather than just oh he's going to be our number four receiver because if you're just picking a, a number four receiver or number five receiver it's going to be marvin hall or quintez cephas or or geronimo allison whoever it is right those guys are, are going to be better receivers than than Jamal Agnew but Jamal Agnew can maybe bring more to the roster than those guys so he still has to be a dynamite return man and you know even though the Lions obviously don't think he can be a cornerback he has to prove that um, you know his versatility uh, in a situation where uh, you know all of a sudden you're, you're shorthanded where he can still be a contributor to the team on, on that side of the ball and they're not going to give him I, I highly doubt they're going to give him any real run on defense, but um, my understanding, at least in the spring, was that he was still taking part in some of the defensive meetings, so he's still up to speed on what's going on on that side of the ball. Is it almost like you think a reverse Troy Brown scenario? Because remember, well, if you remember, I mean, obviously Patriots again, but Troy Brown would come in and play defense on occasion. Yeah, like, yeah I mean, look, again, um, 
you know, you're certainly the Lions certainly wouldn't be counting on any defensive right. snaps from Jamal Agnew. But I do think that in a situation like that, and especially again, given what's gone on in the world, and we don't know what the, you know, let's wait to see what the NFL and the NFLPA come up with in terms of, uh, you know, rules and restrictions for the season and what happens with Corona. But uh, I certainly could see a case where Jamal Agnew has value because somebody, you know, test positive on a Friday and then they can't play and they're out for two weeks. Well, guess what? You got this guy that's on your roster that um, needs little to no notice before he can flip over and at least give you 10 snaps at cornerback if something happens in a game. And, and he really, he's a three position. He's a four positional player too. If you consider his return skills, which I think you look at it and at least on paper, it's going to be him or him or Jason Huntley probably competing for that return job. Huntley, the rookie from New Mexico state. And then he's also one of your better gunners on special teams, which again has value and maybe that's a way to that a Mike Ford and a D Virgin yeah. make this team because it, they have especially Mike Ford some corner experience and they're also a valuable special team it's I think the machinations for how they're going to build this roster are more to me and, and you've been around longer than me but it feels like it's more wide open beyond that front front line than it's been at any other time at this point in the year. Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, the discussions will be very interesting this year, you know, with with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia and, and the whole pro personnel department in terms of, um, you know, how it's best to, to build that roster based on everything going on in the world. Because, you know, uh, if, if, you know, Trufant goes down, you need another starting cornerback, right? So, you're probably not counting on Agnew to be another starting cornerback, right? You maybe you want Mike Ford to be, to be that guy, but if uh, you know, whoever Jason Huntley goes down, then Jamal Agnew can fill in there. If you know, uh, uh, Danny Amendola goes down, then Agnew can fill in there. And, and if Mike Ford goes down, well, Jamal Agnew is fine being your fourth cornerback. So I, you know, the, how teams and the lines in particular weigh some of those things, it will be fascinating to, uh, to see and, and to hear from the Lions here in the, the next couple months. By the way, let's be real. If if Akuda doesn't get up to speed fast enough or Trufant were to get hurt, I think it's Amani Awarie. Yeah, right. It's getting that first probably that first call. And I mean, honestly, it would not completely stun me. And maybe this is me being a little bit defeatist, but it would not completely stun me if that week one starter is Amani Awarie at corner opposite Trufant just to work Okuda in for a week, especially because that first, that first game is against an interesting quarterback situation versus, you know, where, where you can maybe work them in a little bit and get some of that work, whether it's Foles or Trubisky. So I was thinking about this the other day that, you know, we're not going to really have access to the Lions building this year. There's not going to be a media room um, that, I hope they don't get rid of our, our bet board, right? The sometimes, you know, we'll bet lunches on things, right? Nothing serious, but you know, I think you might owe me a lunch. Carlos probably owes me like six. I don't know what it is. Right. But we have this running tally on our boards and uh, I hope when they're converting our, our media room to whatever XX space they're going to use, that they don't get rid of my, my, our bet board and everything on those, those cork boards. And, and uh, I would, I look, I would, 
let's put that on the bet board that it's going to be Jeff Okuda. It is not going to be Omani. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying I think this is a good chance. I mean, if, if you asked me to put any sort of anything on it, I would take Jeff Okuda and Desmond Trufant to be the two starters and Justin Coleman in a nickel situation. Those are your starters. I'm just saying that it would not shock me if Amani Awarie got some run at corner because you need him to be ready too at some point because you're going to need a, you have no who's your veteran backup at corner right now no i mean Imani's, Imani's probably your your number four but uh you know again there are other ways to to you know configure your secondary too as you mentioned right maybe maybe coleman plays outside and you play more you know three safety but uh some run yeah, maybe he'll get a few snaps, but I, I don't think it'll be anything meaningful barring injury or whatever. And I would even say we could go we could go two to one on that bet board if you want, Mike. I mean, two. I would give you no, two. I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm I'm saying this right now. This, by the way, for for those who want to know the interior of the so okay, so the Detroit Lions media room. There's a larger room where a lot of people sit, and then it's usually me, Dave, Carlos, and whoever the columnist for the free press is that's there that day. And occasionally the AP Larry Lage from the AP that sit in a separate side room that happens. That's for multiple reasons that this has occurred. Um, but yeah, these are conversations that, that go back and forth um, between one of us taking a phone call or writing or, or what have you of just, this is what what's happening right now is what, a microcosm of what would happen when we would be in that media room for five, six hours between Matt Patricia talking and locker room at the end of the day. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, Dave, I'm going to miss having those conversations with you this year <laughs> and Carlos too, because he would get, Carlos would get so adamant at certain times that it, it was, uh, you know, Wendy's well, was, coffees were great, man. <laughs> so I was talking uh, my son Jackie, and he was over at one of his, uh, you know, friends' houses the other day, and I was talking to his, his friend's mother, and you know, she was like, "How is working at home, you know, for you?" And I said, "Well, you know, it, it doesn't." Or maybe she asked how working at home was for Maria or whatever. And we, so we were we were talking about the dynamics of working at home, whatever it was, and uh, I said, "You know, I'm, I'm used to it this time of year, right? Like I, outside of the season, I'm always at home. But I, I think for people that that you know aren't used to working at home." But are used to working in an office, there's that element that they have to get used to too, right? The, the seeing everybody at, at, at all times and, and being able to carry on a casual conversation with your office mate. And for us, that's what it is during the season for those, you know, five months, it's, we're sitting, you know, 10 feet away from each other. And, you know, I, I, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, get to see your face every single day and you get to see mine and, and Carlos is sitting next to me. And, you know, so we, we have some of these conversations and we, you know, sometimes you gotta have fun with some things too. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to say this, that I am, if there is one reason I'm glad that I won't see you this year, it's that you won't pretend to not be sick when you're sick, which happened last year twice. <laughs> I see, I may be, people don't know this, right? But um, I may be patient zero when it comes to Corona in the United <laughs> States. I don't know, we were, <laughs> no, this is, so last, this is last November, right? I, right. I'm not, I just say this because I read a story and we had talked about this before a couple months ago when I read the story that how there were some, I forget where it was, maybe the San Francisco. It was San Francisco. You know, it was San Francisco. And by the way, I think this has since been debunked. Just okay, to okay. Get well, this regardless. 
there was we had talked about this again these are some of the conversations that, that we we have uh, you know in the press room deal this was after the press room that i i never get sick but coming back the lions played in san francisco oakland uh but we flew into san francisco early november last year a week later they play in chicago we come back i was under the weather i'll admit i wasn't sick but i was under the weather you were sick <laughs> you got sick as well and i i think it was probably because we sat on that plane and got on and off that plane in chicago like half dozen times right and that trip took like 12 hours yeah. um, but when i read that story about corona being in san francisco area in the bay area in november i was like wow maybe did we catch it like the first wave of it right and then my daughter was sick after that and she had this cough she couldn't get rid of and then uh to bring this thing full circle my girls basketball team was was everyone was sick over christmas and at my daughter's school they shut school down for a day in january because everyone was sick uh, like it, it I mean it was just a weird thing right and i'm not saying that you know, this was this was all Corona related. Obviously, it's uh, in the, the middle of flu season. But when I read that story, I think Mike and I talked about it, and I don't know, one of us was like, "Man, were we patient zero bringing it back to Michigan?" Yeah, no. well, I mean, I was sick for all of November. I mean, I and we can kind of close on this. I don't know if people people remember, but I Dave knows. Like, I will miss like one day generally because I always get I, I get sick in like November, December every year i end up missing one day i was out for essentially a week and i came back that friday it was right before they went to washington and i came back and matt patricia had his friday press conference and i had to walk out of the friday press conference because i was coughing so much and matt so bad what matt thought you were about to die yeah no it was <laughs> i i was in and like but that i mean be because of the nature of our jobs and how you and I work, like we're just like, we get up and we go to work. Like that's yeah. part of the gig. Like, you know, like the news doesn't stop just because I'm, I'm feeling like crap. Yeah. And, but I remember coming back that day and like, literally like, I think Patricia even said like, asked somebody to check because I went out, I went, so this construction of the media room is like, there's this main room, then there's a side like doorway and then you go outside. I went all the way outside and apparently I could still be heard coughing from all the way outside it was um not great <laughs> I were you mike i would go get the test for the antibodies and see if you have them and if you have them let me know because maybe i have them too no i've i have been tested for covid um luckily that came back negative as as we all know as we learn more about covid and have over the last few months just because you test negative one day doesn't mean that you don't have it so i have done quarantines a couple of times now uh, including when I got back from North Carolina a few weeks ago. And yeah, you know, hopefully uh, both you and I, I think we're in a couple of weeks here, going to be taking COVID, uh, COVID tests a bunch here. Really? Uh, that's, I think that's Lions uh, practice or what, you yeah, know, so, what requires, we will, we will have to do it too. Yeah. So uh, you and I are going to become uh, COVID test buddies here again in a couple of weeks. And uh, as we hopefully get to watch, some training camp and some running and some stretching and uh, then maybe some football here. Dave, want to say thank you for coming on. And uh, I am ecstatic that we got through the <laughs> recording button still going and hopefully we had no issues. So hopefully this is a new era here for yeah. you coming on the show that uh, 
that, that we ha don't have technical issues like we have had in the past. So I want to say thanks as always for coming on, man. And uh, it's been a blast. You got it, man. And everyone take uh, COVID seriously out there, wear your masks, and hopefully we'll get some football back and, and get our, our lives back to some something.